some of the most incredible things I have manifested have been during the most challenging time periods of my life. So it's absolutely not true that you can only manifest when you're happy or positive because I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my client's life. And I think knowing that um, gives you a certain sense of freedom. Hey guys, welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Mia and Carly. Hi everyone, welcome back. We have a great episode today about manifestation and mindset. There's so many good manifestation tips in this. Yes, Afia is so great. I really love talking to her. She lives in Australia and she's a mindset coach and she had such great outlook and such tangible tips for just understanding what's blocking you in life, doing a lot of self-reflection, a lot of internal dialogue, and then opening up space for you to manifest everything you want in your life. And she has a very unique story that she shared with us too. Yeah, a unique story and unique perspective on manifestation. We've had a lot of people talk about manifestation on here, but hers is such a different approach. She really does not subscribe to the you need to have a positive mindset. Of course, positivity is important, but she has a different perspective on it. And she also brought up how boundaries come into play with manifestation. Just a lot of things that I haven't really heard talked about as much. So honestly, like take notes when you're listening to it. Like I feel like mm-hmm. when I was going back and listening to it after we recorded, I was jotting things down in my notes app because it's really, really tangible advice. Yes. I'm sure people have been exposed to manifestation in many other places. And the first place that I really heard of manifestation was the book, The Secret. I feel like that's maybe when a lot of us heard about manifestation as more of a mainstream conversation because that book just gained so much popularity, but there's so many problems with that book. And I'm so happy that the conversation has changed. And we have people like Afia who really take manifestation and make it tangible in a way that it's just a mindset shift that allows you to really open yourself up because the secret, it's like, you just have to think so positively and they scare you of thinking any negative thoughts because the negative thoughts you think are going to now attract negativity. It can become like very toxic and kind of (laughs) damaging. (laughs) I do still love The Secret, though. I love The Secret as an intro to manifestation. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's just because it was the first time I really read about it or studied it deeply. But I do agree that there are things I would start to think, oh, my God, if I have this negative thought, does that mean that I'm going to like manifest negativity into my life? And I think that The Secret does make it seem cut and dry. And there's much more of a gray area and a lot more that goes into it. So I still do think that I would recommend reading The Secret if you don't know anything about manifestation, because there's so many stories in there about what people manifest and just so many things that put it into perspective. And I definitely did start to manifest so much better after I read it. But yes, I totally agree that her approach is a lot more realistic and something that I feel like you could just follow in your day to day life. Yeah, I agree. The secret is fun. And it was a really good first introduction into manifestation. (laughs) I can remember where I was when I was reading it. I remember I was like mind blown. I was on the subway. I vividly remember reading (laughs) reading it on the subway, like manifesting anything but being here, commuting to and from work. Yeah. So my thing that I wanted to talk about this week, I've been posting about on our Instagram, but I haven't talked about it on the podcast and it's Daring Foods plant-based chicken. And I love it. I had kind of been seeing it pop up on Instagram influencer ads and stuff like that. So I was super curious about it and I got it through one of my Thrive Market orders and it's so weird. It just tastes like chicken. It's just the most realistic tasting plant-based meat that I've had. It's just I've never had plant-based chicken that actually is the texture of chicken. It's really hard to explain. So you have to go out there and try it. (laughs) What is it made out of? It's made out of soy. So and their ingredients are just so clean. So it has soy, it has sunflower oil as well. It's just very, very minimal ingredients and a lot of protein in it from the soy. It comes in a bag, it's frozen and it's already like in pieces. And all you have to do is saute it in oil on a pan on the stove. And I've been putting it in salads or I put it in, I made bonza pasta the other night and mixed it in with that. And it was really good. Or you can make a wrap out of it, which I did that time with those wraps that I talked about on here, the stuffed me wraps. So it's just very versatile and so easy to make. And again, it just tastes delicious. It tastes simple and it tastes like just regular chicken. But if you are a vegan or if you're just trying to maybe eat more sustainably, it's all sustainable ingredients. You can just feel good about it when you're eating it. They never use artificial 
artificial flavors. They have no GMOs. They're gluten-free. There's no saturated fat in any of them. And just very, very good when you look at the nutrition facts compared to other plant-based chicken. I feel like when you look at the nutrition label or ingredient list for a lot of the plant-based chicken that's been around for a while, it's like 25 ingredients deep and this has like four ingredients in it. So I I always like that. I don't like a long ingredient list. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The flavors that they have, they have original, they have Cajun, they have lemon and herb, and then they have a breaded one, which I that that one is not gluten-free. Yum. I love that. I have not had any type of plant-based meat. I have not tried Impossible Meat or an Impossible Burger, mostly because I have never really had an interest in being a vegetarian or just exploring other options. But since pandemic and living at home, I feel like, or pre-pandemic when I was working, I would eat meat during the day. Like I would get a salad with meat in it. And since living home, I don't do that. I never have any meat during the day. If I eat meat, it's just at night. And I feel like I have honestly noticed a huge difference in my digestion and just how I feel. So that's something I've noted. So I think I would want to try something like this. And I love oh, the rave review you gave. Yeah, it's it's really so good. And I have definitely been a vegetarian. I've gone through a lot of vegetarian phases since I was like 10. <laughs> and so I remember being a teenager and in college and everything. And, and even like more recently eating those Morningstar chick patties, which are also so good. But when you look at the ingredients on them. It's like vegetable oil, potato starch, sugar, yeast, just so many dextrose, all these different things that are just what is that even? Mm-hmm. Great wreck. I have another recommendation for a drink today. So I feel like I'm always coming on here talking about Olipop or other things I like to drink instead of cocktails at night or instead of wine. But I have tried Sound Sparkling Water. So I've been going into my office. I work at Facebook. So the meta office has amazing snacks. I basically eat and drink my way through the day because they have the best brands that I, some that I've never heard of, some that I love. They just have such great options. So I, as you do in the office, when you get bored and walk to the micro kitchen (laughs) and need a break, I got a sound sparkling water, caught my eye because the branding is so cute. And I was looking for just something different and I love them. It's infused with tea and botanicals and the flavor is definitely stronger than a LaCroix or your average sparkling water and the flavors are so unique. So the ones that I have tried, because Sound is also an amazing brand that saw that I loved them and sent us some free samples. So I tried blueberry with cinnamon and hibiscus tea, grapefruit with lavender and ginger tea. Those are both caffeine free. Mm. And then they have blood orange with vanilla and black tea. So that one's delicious. And tangerine with lemongrass and green tea. So they're very refreshing. The little, the subtle notes of cinnamon and vanilla and lavender, you can really taste them and they're so delicious. And the brand also is so cool. And they also use very minimal ingredients. They have a whole stance on when products say they have natural flavors, like what even Mm. is that? So they have all, all of the flavors come from real ingredients. There's very few ingredients. There's no sugar. They don't even put any stevia or monk fruit or any of those healthier sugars. They just have no sugar at all, but the flavors are so good that you will love them without sugar. And again, just another really, it's a cute brand. It's a, a sustainable brand and they also have a really nice mission and the drinks are so good. So you were just saying like an Olipop is something I like to drink kind of at night. It has more flavor. It's more fun, but a sound sparkling water is like my go-to daytime, middle of the day. If you need a caffeine, pick me up up at like 3 p.m. Highly recommend a sound sparkling water. I can't wait to crack one open. When you were just telling me the flavors, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to have one tonight. I need to try this blueberry one and the other herbal one. Sounds so good. Yes, they're really good. I love them. That was all for me. I also wanted to recommend a TV rec. I'm watching The Dropout on Hulu. So it's about Elizabeth Holmes. So if you watched the documentary on Theranos a couple of years ago, I think it was on Hulu. This is also on Hulu and it is a, a series. So a scripted series. It's very good. I'm really into it. So... We love to close our intro by answering three questions or we pick one of three from Esther Perel's game. Where should we begin? Highly recommend getting it for your next dinner party or gathering. 
you can play it with friends. You can play it with someone you're dating or like Mia said, you can play it at a dinner party and it's just a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I got Dan to play it with me one night, so it was really fun. I, he, I laughed because he was like, I'm not going to know the answers to these questions. I'm like, these questions are literally just about you. So I, I hope you do know I the answers. I hope you know the answers. <laughs> okay. Our questions that we will choose from are, when I look in the mirror, the first thing I see, my most irrational fear. And if you catch me by the fridge at night, I'm probably sneaking. <laughs> Those are fun. Do you eat at night? Are you ever one to have a snack at night? I think I remember you telling me you do. (laughs) Whenever I'm training for like a marathon or a half marathon, I have this weird habit where I'll wake up in the middle of the night and just like eat. And it definitely was because I wasn't eating enough probably during the day, but I always felt like I was. But yeah, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would always eat almonds or almond butter, like just like by the spoonful in front of my refrigerator, which is really, really weird, random habit that I had. Lately, I've been loving Yasso Pops Poppables. So I mentioned on here once those like Dream Pops Poppables. They're like little bonbons. And Yasso is Greek yogurt covered in chocolate and they have little crunchies on it. Oh my God, they're so good. So I, I always have like a sweet treat. You've mentioned a few frozen desserts and I look for them every time I'm in the grocery store and I can never find them. Really? I find like I get, do Instacart from Wegmans and they usually have... The dream pops poppables, but the yeah, they did not have the Yasso pops poppables. So I had to get those in a grocery store near me in Brooklyn. Maybe I can order them online because they sound so good. The perfect yes. like end of night treat. Mm-hmm. But you guys are going to love this episode and definitely let us know your thoughts. I always like to hear people's stories about manifestation. So if you have any good ones, write them into us. Mm-hmm. Me too. I love that. I've manifested some things this week. I have some wedding updates I'll fill you all in on later. <laughs> Yeah, you should. T- we should talk about that next week on the intro. You've had a lot of wedding stuff going on lately with the planning process. Yeah. So I kind of take back when I said my planning is so seamless and easy and great, like completely take that back. So you spoke too soon. <laughs> so too soon, but I'm manifesting a perfect day. <laughs> yes, it will be perfect. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you love the episode. We'll be sure to do a solo episode soon so we can do updates on all of these things. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. Today we are joined by mindset and manifestation coach, host of the Manifest Edit podcast, and the creator of the Vibes Method for Aligned Manifestation. Her mission is to empower and teach ambitious women how to stop playing small and access their innate magic so they can expand their current reality. So welcome to Mostly Balanced, Afia Salter. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. I am so looking forward to the conversation today, and I think we're going to get into so many juicy topics. We definitely are. Can you just tell everybody listening where you're from, where you live, and then just a little bit about what you do? So I'm actually from Scotland, but I'm currently based in Melbourne, Australia. I've been living here for the past five years. And the work that I do as a mindset and manifestation coach is really centered around empowering women to create those internal permission slips for the life they want to live and using mindset and manifestation to support that. I love that. The permission slips to do what you want. I love that so much. We talk about manifestation a lot here, and I think a lot of Our conversations are really aligned with your work. So I'm so excited to dive in even deeper. But I was really moved by your background. I mean, you can tell your story, but I would love to hear what kind of pivoted in your life when you were young and how that really impacted the work that you're doing now. So, yeah, I think everything, you know, even if we can't see it at the time, has a huge impact on the people that we are today, even those seemingly insignificant things and especially the things that are pretty significant. So for me, I definitely had a lot of the more significant things happen when I was growing up. So I was in the in and out of the care system for most of my childhood, actually, but I was in foster care, particularly until I was age three, at which point I got adopted, which is great. Being adopted at three is, you know, not too much of your life is disrupted at that age. I don't remember anything of my life worth three apart from being like me with a juice box. And I don't even know if that's a real memory or, you know, one of those imagined memories. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so I was adopted at three and at that point moved from England to Scotland. And yeah, growing up, life was pretty normal until I was around 10 years old, which was when my mom got diagnosed with cancer. And then very quickly over the next four years, her condition began to deteriorate rapidly. So I went from that position where I was having somewhat of a normal 
normal childhood, despite having grown up in the care system to kind of the roles being reversed and having to take on that parental role myself. And, you know, it was myself, my sister and my little brother as well. So my brother at that time was two, three years old. So we were looking after him as well. So very quickly my life changed. And around that time, I definitely began to develop anxiety because of number one, the pressures that were actually on me, but also like imagined pressures I had of feeling like I had to do more and be more and have responsibility for so many things. And then unfortunately, when I was 14, my mom did pass away and having grown up in the care system and due to the fact that my mom was a single parent, that meant that the prospects were looking like we were all going to go back into the care system. And as my sister and I were 14 and 15 at that point, that's not really a great age to be going back into the care system. No one really wants to adopt teenagers, which is sad, but true. And so it just felt like my whole life was about to blow up in my face. And I remember thinking, I have no idea what I'm going to do next. And almost kind of in my mind, I thought that we would live with my gran, who was my mom's parent, but my gran was 86. And to me, I didn't mm. see that as a problem. But obviously for social workers, they're looking at that and saying, there's, there's no way that's going to happen. And actually my gran did pass away six months after that. So if we'd have lived with her, it would have been another disruption in our lives. And so we were very fortunate that one of my friend's moms from school, I phoned her when my mom had passed away. I didn't really feel like I could share what was going on with my friends, but I was really close with my friend's mom and I found her and I was just like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And she came over and she just basically said, don't worry about anything. And she moved in with us and looked after my sister and I until we went to uni. And yeah, that was my childhood, a very turbulent time, which has impacted so much of the person that I am today. And the struggles that I had then is something that I definitely wouldn't wish on anyone, but has made me who I am today. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That whole story. It's so sad, but it also is so amazing to hear how people stepped up to the plate and really helped influence the things that came after that. I'm curious what happened with your younger brother. Did he get adopted by another family? Yeah. So he was fostered again by another family who are just like the most amazing, the amazing people who I consider my family now as well. So yeah, things worked out really well for all of us. And I'm so glad that he got the opportunity to be in a loving family who really like deeply care about his development. And he's honestly one of the kindest humans that I know. I'm like, how did you turn out to be like such a good, nice human and also (laughs) still have my sarcasm, which I passed out to you? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. And so then you went off to university and what did you think that you wanted to pursue? Did you know that you wanted to be in the line of work that you're in today? No, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I remember for me, like after my mom passed away, that really all I wanted was just to be normal and to have normal things and to have what everyone else had around me. So going to uni was obviously the path that's laid out for you. And I did enjoy studying. So I knew I wanted to go to uni, but I didn't specifically know what I wanted to study. And actually at one stage, I did want to study philosophy. And then I was like, oh, I don't know. I feel like I'm already quite, I have quite an anxious disposition. So I will just have too many questions that will be unanswered, which is funny that that was what I thought at the time. (laughs) My life is so many unanswered questions that I'm totally okay with. So I actually ended up deciding to study media. And for no reason other than at that time, I really loved this DJ on Radio One called Annie Mac. And I was like, oh, this could be kind of cool. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, that's not the way that things panned out in my life. But I think for so many people, choosing a degree at 17, 16, you don't really have an idea of what you're going to spend the next 20 years of your life doing. So it was just an entryway to uni at that point. And that was enough for me. And after finishing my first degree, I actually did then go on to study my master's in digital marketing straight away. And throughout that time at uni, I would say that I was definitely one of those people who uni was a great experience. But in terms of what I actually learned within the degree itself, mm, (laughs) so we're very lucky in Scotland that your education is free. So it doesn't feel like, oh, wow, that was a waste of money. But I, I don't really use much of what I learned in uni in my everyday life, apart from the people that I met and the confidence and skills that I built during that time. I didn't know that it was free. Yeah. So your tuition fees are free. Obviously you have to pay for like accommodation and stuff, but all the tuition fees are completely free. That's amazing. Totally relate though to that feeling. I think a lot of people feel that way that 
they might not have learned a lot in their college or university experience. You learn a lot, but not so much of the things you're using day to day. But even that ability of kind of extracting any learning, whether it's how to be more professional or just learning how to communicate or write, like you could take all of that and apply it. So I feel like you had that skill of pulling, extracting little bits of learnings and valuable lessons from your whole life, not just university. So what happened next in your journey to where you are now? So one of the things I actually did gain from uni was putting myself out there for a lot of internships. And in one of the first internships I ever had, I remember I was on Twitter and I came across this hashtag. It was hashtag be bloggers, which was hashtag beauty bloggers. And I was like, bloggers, what's this? And was when I first discovered blogging and I was like, this is amazing. This is incredible. I want to be a blogger. And then a month later, I'd started my own blog. And so having been in the content creation space for the past nine years now, that first foray into blogging is actually what transpired into me coaching because it first of all I was talking about student life then I was talking about traveling and then when the world changed I shifted that content to more of mindset and manifestation based content and although I didn't know that was what my career was going to be in talking about it more I realized wow this is something that I'm actually more passionate about than the other things I've been talking about and it's actually the biggest piece of my life So my journey from uni to where I am now is not exactly a linear journey. There were many things that happened in between, but ultimately having gone back to uni to study for my master's, I realized that I hadn't done it out of a true passion or joy to study. I'd just done it because I wanted to prolong that period of time that I had to decide what I wanted to do next in my life. During that time (laughs) period was one of the worst years of my life. And I was severely anxious and depressed and I was really struggling at that time. And at that time was what led me on my journey to personal development, conscious manifestation, choosing to consciously create the life that I wanted to live and feeling like that I wasn't just a victim of my circumstances, but I had the ability to choose where I wanted to go next. And more than being able to choose where I wanted to go next, that it was okay if that didn't look like what everyone else around me had, which was previously what I thought it had to be like. I was like, oh, I actually do get to make my own choices and maybe things don't have to be as hard for me as they are for everyone else. Maybe I get to choose just to, you know, have an extraordinary life for the fun of it, not for the fear of what's going to happen if I don't. That mindset shift is so important, but so difficult. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier about how you were uncomfortable with the unknown and now there's so many unknowns in your life. What advice do you have for somebody who is feeling like that, who doesn't like not knowing what's going to happen next or where their life is going to go? How did you become okay with that? I can totally relate to that. And it's something that even today, I I still experience anxiety, but it doesn't impact me anywhere near as much as it used to. And I think something that can be a little bit harmful in the manifestation space is people who, and I'm sure it's not intended to be done in a harmful way, but saying that positive thoughts is the only way to manifest what you want, or you're only going to manifest what you want when you're happy. And so when there's an unknown around your emotions and not feeling happy or going through change or going through challenges, on top of those initial worries, people are also worrying like, is this going to send my manifestation away? Does this mean I'm not going to get what I want? And that just adds more to people. So I don't think that's very helpful. So it's one of those cliche things to say, but the only constant in life is change. And rather than learning out how to stop change, I think it's much more healthy and much more conducive to our success to figure out instead of trying to change the tides, change the wave, like how can I just like be okay with sometimes not being okay with sometimes having those challenges come up and knowing that how can I prepare for the fact that life is going to change anyway, rather than trying to prevent change at all? Yes. I'm so happy that you said that because I'm even curious when manifestation was something you were introduced to, because when I was introduced to it, it was like the secret. And it was very much driven by what you're exactly saying. Positive thoughts will change your life. Like don't even let a negative thought enter your mind. And I remember reading that. And I'm like, I could take some things away from this, but I got scared of that same thing. Like I would hear myself saying something negative or doubting myself or having insecurities that every single human being has and wanting to like shut it off. And that's not a sustainable way to live. So I'm so happy you called that out and that not all manifestation practices are like that. And there's ways to still be human and have those doubts. Everyone has them. So what is the manifestation modality or way of thinking that you subscribe to? 
So I think there is a lot of talk about the law of attraction, but also that's just one of many universal laws and misses out things like the law of polarity and also the law of action. So certainly in my teaching, a lot of focus is on the duality of life and is that life is not black and white, but ultimately on a spectrum and that some of the most incredible things I have manifested have been during the most challenging time periods of my life. So it's absolutely not true that you can only manifest when you're happy or positive because I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my client's life. And I think knowing that um, gives you a certain sense of freedom. And obviously we don't want to get like stuck in the victim mode of like nothing is happening and everything's against me. The world is against me. But here's what we do want to do. We want to take radical responsibility for the lives that we're living and the lives that we're creating, but also to have compassion inside of that. And sometimes I think that's what's missing is the compassion piece rather than like, oh, I'm angry or I reacted in a way that I shouldn't. I'm so horrible. I'm so bad. I can love myself anyway, even when I'm experiencing those things or I've in inverted commas gone back on my journey. I personally don't believe that there is a backwards that you can go to. And this is certainly why I don't love using terms like awakened and things like that, because I think it leads people to thinking that there's a spiritual hierarchy, which there simply isn't. And I know spirituality is going to look so different from person to person. So embracing the dualistic nature of life and also the fact that the outside world, like the sun and this moon, there's warm and there's cold, like obviously there's those things going on in the external world. So why wouldn't you be the same? And I think when this really hit home for me was during first lockdown, I think actually, and I was watching a documentary and it made me really sad, but I felt like there was such beauty in the sadness in that I was empathizing with their experience. And it was of these two people who had been in the care system in their life after that. And I really related to their experience. And I thought, wow, it's so beautiful that I get to relate to this experience so deeply. And imagine that I was just in this perpetual state of happiness and I didn't have those variations of emotions and feelings. Like I think life would be so bland. I totally agree. And I can totally see where you're coming from saying that some of the things that you've manifested have come from some of the most difficult times in your life, because those emotions are so powerful. Happiness is not the only powerful emotion. Feeling that empathy and that sadness that could actually empower you to manifest the things in your life and create the life that you want. I think probably some of our listeners haven't even begun to learn about manifestation or or to try to manifest things for themselves. So for somebody who's listening who isn't even sure where to begin, what would you recommend as a first step for manifestation? First of all, it's so exciting that you are at the beginning of this journey and there is so much more information out there now than there was when I was first learning about manifestation and so many different people you can learn from, which is both exciting and can also feel overwhelming if you're at the beginning of your journey. So don't feel like you need to know everything overnight. You need to consume every piece of information there is. Just pick a few things to follow and go from there. And so I would say that finding that sense of clarity and also knowing how powerful you are, like don't externalize that innate power that you have within you. And so when many of my clients first come to me, one of the most common things that people will say is like, I don't know what I want. And I used to believe that, but now I would say like 99.9% of people who come to me absolutely know what they want. It's just like the courage that it takes to admit that or the courage that it takes to say, this isn't what I want. And especially if it's something that's going against what other people around you want or what you've seen or what is the done thing, that can feel really challenging. And especially as women to have the audacity to say like, this is who I am and this is what I believe in. So actually just giving yourself that permission to say like, whatever comes up, for me, even if it doesn't make complete sense right now, I'm going to give myself the permission to go after it and to follow this thread and see where it takes me. We get so caught up in like doing the right or wrong thing, but rather than doing the right or wrong thing, what if we just committed to following our truth? I think that would give us a much more integrous life. And ultimately, I believe being in high vibration is about living a life that's more in alignment with your truth rather than connected to the emotions that you're feeling. And not everyone's going to agree with me on that. That's totally okay. But I think that when we are looking at manifestation, we have to consider someone's whole human experience. We have to consider the experience they've had up until this point. We have to consider the traumas that someone has had. And we have to consider, is it actually helpful to tell someone that if you're having these certain thoughts, this is going to send everything that you want away. If you're having these certain thoughts, this means that you're not worthy or deserving. And that simply isn't true. So I had this realization in 2018 
when I've been manifesting for some time. So my first foray into conscious manifestation was 2015, but I'd also grown up Buddhist. So my mindset had already been a little bit different growing up. And in 2018, I'd got to this point and I had moved to Australia by this point. I was living my dream life. I felt truly unstoppable. And I created my second vision board and I was like, yeah, the first one was so easy. I got everything and the second one's going to be the same. And I looked back on it a couple of years later and I realized like none of the things I put on there manifested, not a single one. And I felt very confronted by that. I felt a bit of shame around that. And then when I really gave myself the time to explore why that was, I realized that I put, oh, a certain number of followers will make me look like I know what I'm talking about. Or, oh, this is where other people my age are at in their life. This is what I should do. Oh, I've kind of seen this. Maybe, maybe that person, what that person has is what I should also have as well. But when I actually like checked in with my soul, like none of those things resonated with who I was back then. And they didn't resonate with the person who I was at the time that I read them. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is a huge moment of realization for me is that when we tell people to go out into the world and to manifest their desires, we're telling them, think of what you want to have and then go get it. You know, actions, beliefs around that. I believe that there's a step that comes before that, which is what ultimately led to me creating my vibes method for aligned manifestation. And so the first step within that is rather than going straight into your intention of what you want to have, you have to start with who you want to be and what are your values? What is your vision? And then what is true for you? Because then everything that you do around that is going to have that anchor that is grounding you in your own truth, not someone else's. Wow. I feel like I have so many thoughts on that. Mia, I'm going to let you go ahead, but definitely need to come back to some of those things. No, I had the same reaction. I feel like I need to re-listen to you saying (laughs) exactly that over and over again. I love, and I think this is so hard for so many people to do, the first thing you said of figuring out what you actually want, which you ran into when you created your vision board and realized you didn't manifest any of that. I remember I too, I have notebooks where I'm like, I want this job with this salary and this, like all of these things that no, didn't really come into my life the way I had written them out. But when I went back, I'm like, I was writing this completely through ego and of what I thought I wanted. And it's so hard to even figure out what you want. I've like recently come up with kind of like a litmus test for realizing what I don't want, which is if I feel like overwhelming relief when I think about not having to do it. But I think it's harder to maybe figure out what you do want, maybe easier to eliminate what you don't. So do you have any tips for figuring out who you want to be? What are some steps you could take with that first question? So reflection is really a powerful tool when it comes to figuring out what your values are and what you do want to have in your life. And looking back over the past year or even the past five years, like what were things in your life that were really exciting, that made you feel really good, that really turned not even in a sexual way, but really caused a sense of turn on, like you felt really alive for life. And going over these things is something that we don't do nearly often enough. It's like, oh, it's 2022. I guess I should like reflect on the past year, but doing it on a more consistent basis means that checking in with yourself at those more frequent touch points means that you don't get to a point a couple of years later where you're like, what am I doing? Whereas if we're reflecting like on a continual period, and for my clients, we do this um, inside my programs, we do this every single month that we're reflecting on how the month has gone, allows you to actually know yourself on such a deeper level. So if you feel like you don't know what you want, I feel like a huge part of that is t- tied to not having a very open channel of communication with yourself where you're checking in with yourself and you're having that process of self-inquiry on a regular basis. And so the conversations that we have with ourselves are some of the most eye-opening and powerful conversations that are ever to be had, but we don't have them nearly enough. And so yes, one great way to check in with what you do want is, okay, this is what I don't want. And if you're really struggling to get to a place of this is what I do want, the uh, maybe not even the exact opposite, but using what you don't want as a jumping off point is a great place to go from. And I like to use the example with people on why clarity is so important, especially at these beginning stages, is say that you, you want to leave your job, you're really miserable at your old job and you want to find a new job. And if you don't have clarity on what you want in the new job, well, how do you know you're not just going to repeat the exact same thing? So you have to get so clear on what you're actually not happy with so that you don't repeat it and then say, okay, from here, these are the things I do want. And this is what makes me feel empowered. And for me, values is not something that I feel can be picked off of a list and say like, oh, okay, these are the top 20 values people have. Check, check, check. This is what works for me. But ultimately your values are what is most important to you in your life outside of money. Hmm. And by the way, 
If you're trying to think of the things that really make you feel good and you can't think of things recently that have made you feel that way, just saying this for everybody listening, because I've definitely been there. That's totally normal. But in my opinion, listening to everything you're saying, if that's the case for you, then that just means that you're a little bit out of alignment and you have to like really dig back into your past and see when you last felt that way. And I love what you said about how a lot of people say that they don't know what they want, but then when they stop and think about it, they really do. And they're just kind of afraid to say it because I am that person sometimes because you see what other people are doing and you're either like, oh, I can't have what he or she has, or you're thinking, oh, that's what I should want. So it's like the two opposite ends of it. And it's interesting because you're never seeing the full picture of someone's life. And so I think that's why it brings me back to what you were saying about everything you had put on your vision board that you didn't get. If you're putting things that you want because other people have them and it seems like it's making them happy, they also have a whole host of other things going on that that you're not seeing. So it makes it difficult because I love the idea of using other people as sort of like an expander to see what you want. But at the same time, you're not getting that full picture. Mm, That's such a great point. And something else I will say is that using questions is a really powerful tool because ultimately when it comes to manifestation, it's about that relationship between your conscious and subconscious mind. And up top at the conscious level, we may be like, yeah, this is what I want and this is what I think I am. And then when all of like the sabotaging patterns and behaviors come in, we're really confused. But ultimately it's because your subconscious mind is not on board with that. And one of the easiest ways to see like what your subconscious mind is actually feeling and thinking is through the power of questions that we're asking ourselves. And it's not that we're not asking ourselves questions on a daily basis, but the questions that we're asking are like, oh, why am I so rubbish? Why can I never get what I want? Why am I so useless? And then rather if we turn those questions and we're like, okay, like what does really make me feel good? Or when was the last time that I felt good? Are you saying that you've never felt good in the entirety of your life? No, that's not true. So it's like, when can you get back to that place? And as I said before, it's not about being on a spiritual hierarchy. So if you do find yourself at the position right now, like, whoa, I have not been in alignment with who I want to be for a considerable amount of time. We have all been there. And I have no doubt I will have times in the future where I'm like, oh, need to correct course. And that's just part of the process as well. We can never be like 100% of anything, but we try our best to just live a life that is true to us. Especially right now with the pandemic, I could see why that could put so many people in that position that they feel like they haven't experienced that joy and excitement in so long. So I love that advice. Can you give some examples of some of the things that you've manifested for yourself? Um, One of my favorite things I've manifested is actually my dream apartment. And I think this is a great example because I had envisioned it to be a certain way and it worked out completely differently with so many road bumps along the road. And often when those road bumps are happening, you think that it's taking you further from what you want when in reality it's taking you closer to what you want, but just not in the way that you expected. So when we hear people say things like surrender the how, the context that's missing from that is it means that, yeah, you may have your idea of how you want things to go, but also be open to it happening in a different way, in a roundabout way and trusting that it's still going to work out as you wanted it to. So with my apartment, I had written a list of everything that I wanted in my dream space and I had gone for a viewing and I had initially wanted to live in a modern apartment, but I'd gone to view this house, which I thought was incredible. And I'd put in my application, but because I was from overseas, there were a couple of like points of identification stuff that I didn't have just simply because I hadn't been living here for long enough. And at the last minute, the house fell through and I was convinced that was my dream house. I was so upset. And then I was looking in this Facebook group for apartments and this one came up and I was like, is this actually a real place? This is really beautiful. And I went to go and view it, but I was running 15 minutes late which is an absolute like no-no when you're going to be a place that you want to be there early and show like you're really on board with it. I was like, oh no, I'm already late. Turn up and um, I'm looking around this person's place, Michael's place. And I see the bookshelf and on the bookshelf, he had Brené Brown's Daring Greatly, which is one of my favorite books. And I was like, this is one of your favorite books too. He's like, yeah. And if you move in, you can borrow all of my books that you like. And I was like, <laughs> um, and just as I went for the viewing, I was like, oh my goodness, this place is perfect. And as I left the apartment, I got a text from him straight away. Like, if you like it, you can come and live here. And it was like the most beautiful space aside from one thing, which was the room that I would be having had no windows. In fact, it didn't have no windows, but it had a window which went into the kitchen. So it had no outside windows. <laughs> <laughs> it was a window, but just like no natural daylight, which is, which is a bit unnerving and was something that I'd initially put like, this is important to me because I like 
I don't like waking up with an alarm clock. I like to just like wake up when I want to wake up. And then I'd been living there for about a year. And then Michael was like, Hey, so I've decided I'm going to move back to my other place. He already had his own house, but he also had like an apartment in the city. And, um, obviously as you know, the furniture is mine. So I'll be taking the furniture as well. And like he owned everything. So even my bed was like Michael's bed and he was moving out and taking absolutely everything out of his apartment. And at that time I was like, oh no, should I still stay here? I'm going to have to completely furnish this place on my own. How am I even going to find someone to live with? And ultimately it ended up working out that I found like the most beautiful human to live with. And because Michael had moved out, I ended up getting his bedroom, which had floor to ceiling windows that actually went outside. And so <laughs> it, was, it worked out as I wanted it to, but certainly not on the path that I thought it would go on. Wow. What a contrasting experience between those two rooms. <laughs> that is so true how I even look back at things that happened in my life and I got to where I wanted and but there were so many bumps in the road. I imagine people, get, like you said, get really caught up in that and might like trigger them telling themselves the same like negative stories or limiting beliefs. So I know you have a blog post on how to really move past those limiting beliefs, but how can you avoid that frustration if maybe someone wasn't as optimistic as you in that bumpy journey and got really frustrated? I think it's worth pointing out that I definitely have not always been optimistic. And while people maybe a few years ago would have said that I was pessimistic for me, I was like, no, I'm just being realistic. But honestly, I did have like quite a negative view on things. So even if you feel like you do have a bit more of a, in inverted commas, realistic view or pessimistic view, that's not to say that you can't change. And one of the experiences that really shaped the way that I coach today was at the beginning of lockdown and I had lost my job due to being in lockdown. And because I'm from Scotland living overseas, what it meant was everyone was in furlough, except for me because I was from overseas. So I wasn't entitled to any funding at all. And basically the Australian government's advice was like, well, if you're not from here, just go home, which wasn't an option because I've been living here for the past five years and this this is home. I've been paying my taxes. I live here. This, this is home to me. And so like overnight, I went from like earning good money and being quite financially secure to being like, what am I doing? And although I had savings, I was not anticipating like spending the majority of a year in lockdown. And I was really depressed for a couple of weeks. And I just felt like, woe is me. And I was getting like really caught up in those feelings. And then one day I was journaling about how miserable I was and how rubbish my situation was. And then I just had this really stark moment of realization where I realized that I hadn't actually done anything. Like I would been writing about how rubbish everything was and how like I felt like I didn't know how I was going to change my situation, but I hadn't taken any proactive actions to actually change my situation. And that was confronting. And I think you'll find throughout this process of manifestations is that you do have to have some difficult conversations with yourself and your capacity to have those difficult conversations with yourself is only going to increase your capacity to receive abundance. And so having that conversation, number one, I was just like, well, I've done nothing. How can I do this? Guilt shame, all of those feelings. And then after about a few minutes, I was like, wait, if I've done nothing, this means I could do everything. Like there are so many opportunities like out there waiting for me. And so I went from that position where I was earning like zero money, basically disappeared overnight to randomly going on. I would say this is like an equivalent of like Craigslist and seeing what tasks people had put on there. And someone had asked for like some SEO training, search engine optimization training, which is not like my major skills. Like I wouldn't say this is like one of my best skills, but do I know enough to teach a beginner? Absolutely. So I was like, I could do this. And then I also like pitch them some extra services. And then while I'm doing this SEO training for these two people, I'm showing them my blog to give them examples. And they're like, Oh, did you like write all of the posts on here? I was like, yeah, I wrote these. Didn't really think anything of it. And then one of the women called me later on. She's like, Hey, I've just started this new business. And I was wondering like, could you create content for us? And then the rate that I pitched her for the content, she's like, okay, this is actually like four times more than the last person, but I really love your writing and I really want to take you on board. So for those next six months, I was writing for her. And then that began a spiral of events, which went from me having like zero income to multiple five figures from that change in perspective and beginning to have that sense of trust again. And so if you are at a place right now, and especially due to the pandemic, where it feels like things have been challenging, something which I find really grounds me is knowing that this is a moment, not a lifetime. And when I'm having incredible, beautiful, out of this world experiences, I'm like, this is a moment, not a lifetime. And it really, I just feel really grateful to be experiencing that. And when I'm having those really challenging moments and it feels like the world is against me. And yeah, even now I still do have some of those moments, although they last a lot 
they don't last as long as they used to. But even when I'm in those moments, I'm like, this is also a moment like this isn't going to last forever either. So if you're in a season of what feels like challenge after challenge after challenge, know that something eventually has to give and that maybe that won't resonate with you in this exact moment when you hear it. But at one point that's going to click for you and you're going to know this isn't forever. And there's a whole world out there waiting for me. That is such a great story about the job. Obviously, it didn't start well, but then it just spiraled into so many great opportunities. I love that you're so you have such a great grasp on mindset shifts, like just those little things to tell yourself and how to flip it around in your head. Of course, you can be negative and down on things, but now you know how to turn that around and make that not last as long. But I want to backtrack a little bit to talking about your five-step framework. So I think we touched on the first step. Can you take us through the rest of it? So after embodying the vibe of your higher self, which is step number one, we go into setting powerful intentions. So now we can set intentions knowing what our values are. And this means when we're setting intentions, we can check them for integrity. So that's what I was not doing when I'm like putting all of these follower accounts on my vision board back in 2018, thinking this will make me look good. I was not checking that for integrity. And what I will find is for some people, when they get to this place, they're like, yep, green, good to go. Other people will be like, actually, there's a few tweaks I need to make because this was either not for myself, this was out of a place of what I thought I needed to do or who I needed to be. And making sure that when we are setting intentions, that they are primarily for ourselves. Like, yes, it's okay to like want to manifest things for your family, but know that you have to be like the center of that reason because ultimately we can't change how other people feel and we can't like force things upon other people. We have to have ourselves as our center of the universe and then radiate that out into everyone else. And so where I think a lot of people can get stuck when it comes to intention setting is like, like you said, it is great for a point of clarity to say, this is what I don't want. But if we're only in the I don't want, that means when it goes to manifesting, what we're repeating to our subconscious mind is like, for example, if you don't want to be broke, I don't want to be broke anymore. I don't want to be broke anymore. And you're just affirming that to yourself rather than looking for opportunities of abundance. So we want to really focus on making sure that the intentions are in the direction of what we actually want rather than away from what we don't want, even if that away from what we don't want is the initial motivator. In the short term, that can be a really good motivator. But in the long term, what's actually going to keep us moving forward is moving towards a vision, not away from a pain. And then we know who we are. We've set our intentions. We're feeling unstoppable. What happens now is normally like the fall, which is energetic blocks and boundaries, which is where all your limiting beliefs is going to come up. All the stuff is going to come up around why you can't, why you shouldn't, why it's not for you. And this is a very normal thing to happen. And I want to point out that no matter where you are in your journey, how long you've been doing this work, like it's never about getting rid of limiting beliefs completely because as you reach for new things, you're going to experience new limits around those. But it's about changing your relationship to limiting beliefs. So when people talk about the shadow work, it's not because your limiting beliefs are dark and horrible and they shouldn't be talked about, but it's because they are typically something that we're not aware of. So shadow is around the degree of awareness rather than how dark or evil these things are about you. And learning our limiting beliefs, learning the things that hold us back, learning these stories means we can develop an awareness around them. We can, in some ways, reparent ourselves because a lot of the limiting beliefs we have do stem from our inner child, stem from that subconscious development that we had before the ages of seven, where you know, we didn't have the autonomy to say, actually, I'm not sure that I'm on board with this, or actually, I'm not sure that I believe this. We just like, you know, blindly went along with whatever our peers or our family members were telling us because that's just what you do. And so as an adult, a lot of the process of manifestation is unlearning what was actually never serving you. And many of the beliefs that you have were never yours to begin with. And we can actually, even when it comes to trauma, we can hold on to generational trauma from like seven generations back. So even if you're not consciously aware of, oh yes, my family experienced this when it's something seven years ago, we're still the only ones who have the power to face it and to deal with it now, even though we may not be responsible for putting it there. And so when I talked about that radical responsibility before, it's also knowing that taking radical responsibility can can be challenging, especially when you're like, this was never something I believe. This is just something that I've had to inherit. This is just the way that I was treated. But Ultimately, you know, no one, no one else can do that for you. No one else can help you move through that without you giving them the permission or giving yourself the permission to make those changes. And then something else I, I love talking about this when it comes to manifestation is boundaries. And I think this isn't talked about nearly enough is enforcing those strong boundaries. And people can feel like boundaries is like a journey away from other people. And it's like closing yourself off and being really mean and being really aggressive. But the way I view boundaries is like, 
every time you set a boundary, it allows you to get closer to yourself. And there is no greater gift than that and that learning more about yourself through these boundaries. And so if we're out here saying like, this is who I am and this is what I want, we also have to say like, this is what I'm no longer available for. This is what I'm committed to doing. And not only setting those boundaries, but having that challenging work of like enforcing those. And that's not going to say like 100% of the time you're going to be like, yep, this is my boundary now. Sometimes you're going to have those like slip ups, which is normal. But even those slip ups teach you something about the way that you want to be treated and what you want to allow into your life. And so step number four is action, which is looking at balancing your feminine and masculine energy. And whether you're male, female or non-binary, we all have these masculine and feminine pools of energy within us. And masculine is more focused on the strategic, whereas the feminine is more focused on the intuitive. And neither the intuitive or strategic is like one is better than the other. It's just some people will lean more heavily in one area of the other. So balancing it doesn't mean you need to get to 50% intuitive, 50% strategic. It's finding the way that you actually work best. And what I find is that typically when it comes to women in entrepreneurship, that the way that we have been taught to do entrepreneurship is definitely very much in our masculine and strategies only way. And like intuition is something that I still feel is like people don't trust it as much because we have those little intuitive voices. And then we're like, wait, what is this? Because we're not actually used to listening to it. And I don't know if you've ever watched Westworld, but there's this point where they begin hearing these yes. voices and they're like, I'm rewatching it right now. And because they're not used to hearing the voices, they're like, what is this? But it's been themselves like the whole time. And that's kind of what intuition is like, is like, oh, this voice was here all along. I was just choosing to stuff it down and ignore it. Okay. Then now we've got some work to do. So learning how best you take action is a really beautiful process. And when we talk about the law of action, the universal law, it's about taking that inspired action. And what inspires you to take action? Is it getting like super oriented on the details? Is it getting super oriented on the feelings? Like learning what motivates you and how you manifest best is ultimately going to allow you to manifest more of the things that you want into your life, which is why some people will be like, yes, the 369 method. I wrote these things like however many times. And some people are like, yeah, that's, I'm just not resonating with that. And that's because, well, it doesn't align with the way that they take action. And then finally, what really brings this all together is surrender, which we touched on a little bit earlier as well, in that the kind of the waiting game between having it and setting all those intentions, doing all of those work. And surrender can be actually the piece that many people find the most challenging. And around this point, a lot of people will be like, well, should I give up? Like, is when, when do you choose when to give up on your manifestation? And I'm like, well, how do you know it isn't working? Well, because I don't have it. Is you not having it really a sign of it not working? Like think of all the things in our life where everything is happening behind the scenes up until the point where we eventually have it. It doesn't mean that it's not working. It's just we're planting the seeds, we're laying the foundations, we're doing all of that work now until ultimately we have it. And so I love to see this process of manifestation kind of like gardening in that we're planting these seeds, we're pulling out the weeds, we're putting in the new soil and we're, we're like waiting for the plants to grow. I mean, even with trees, like how long it takes to grow a tree and just being patient and knowing that it's still coming is a really magical process. And so I think we all have this access to innate magic within us, even if for some time you may have found that it's been squashed. It's about, okay, let's go on this journey of discovery and see what happens. I love that each pillar or each point really is something that's so important of what we talked about of really knowing who you are, what your values are. I've never heard boundaries really come into manifestation or maybe not in maybe in other words, but definitely not the word boundary. And I mean, surrendering and just knowing that it's not going to happen overnight. Each point is so important and it really does guide you through finding that great life. And now that you mentioned Westworld, I'm like, only finding parallels between like manifestation and limiting beliefs to that show. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I also totally agree that I feel like surrendering should be the easiest part, but I could totally see why it would be the hardest part. Cause you're like, when is it going to happen? And I'm not doing anything right now, but if you've already done all the work, then you can hopefully be more confident that it's coming your way. Even if it's not the path that you thought it would be. I think also just like renouncing this idea of instant manifestation, overnight manifestation, 24 hour manifestation, like that is what you may see someone say, but the reality of it is like all the work they have done up until this point 
is what allows things to happen so quickly because they've now reached this tipping point. So if you're thinking like, wait, why didn't I manifest this overnight? Why didn't I manifest this in 24 hours? It's not because you're doing anything wrong and it's not because you're behind. It's just because we all experience things differently and we're all on completely different journeys. Yeah, definitely. Can you just tell us a little bit more about what it looks like when you work with a client? Is it on a monthly basis? Does it depend on the client? And what are some of the most common things that people come to you for? I typically work with my clients inside my mastermind program, Conscious Alchemy, which is a 12-month program. And so throughout the 12 months, it's about integrating those uh, the VISE method for aligned manifestation into your life and also learning like about your own seasons when it comes to manifestation, right? Because some seasons will be like, whoa, everything's manifesting so quickly. And going back to that gardening example, some of those will be more planting the seeds. Some of those will be like more relaxed and chill. And then some of those seasons will feel like everything is falling apart. And it's about learning how to honor yourself through all those seasons, learning what your manifestation process looks like through all of those seasons, and ultimately like learning more about yourself. And so it's supporting like female entrepreneurs through that journey so that not only they can get closer to themselves, but also so that they are able to share the gifts that they want to share with the world on a much deeper level. Working with entrepreneurs, definitely business success, um, interpersonal relationships, whether that's with family or wanting to manifest love. And I think what all of these things comes back to is still that relationship that we have with ourselves. And I remember even when I was first beginning my journey of conscious manifestation, like I wanted all of these external things, but also what I wanted was to know myself better and to have this relationship where I was able to set those strong boundaries because that has not always come easily to me. And I definitely used to be somewhat of a people pleaser, which is often something that my clients are struggling with as well. And wanting to be liked by everyone and being palatable for everyone actually takes you further away from yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also like that your program is one year. I think that really reinforces every step of your program and how this is not going to happen. Like you're not selling like three months work with me. You'll manifest your life. This is a process. And a lot of it is that inner work and that planting the seed and surrendering. Yeah, I think as well, when you do, you are doing things like shadow work or you're releasing those energetic blocks, it can be like very heavy. And if for the first three months you're just releasing your energetic blocks and it was just to be a three month program, you may leave that then feeling a bit disheartened. So (laughs) it is about seeing it as like the long game and knowing that this is about integrating these principles into your way of being, not just like a short term tactic. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. We like to end with some rapid fire questions. So what is one must have quality for you and a significant other? Mm, Funny. How to be funny. If you don't make me laugh, like I can't spend any amount of time with you. (laughs) You're like the most beautiful person. But if you're not funny, then that makes you significantly less beautiful. Mm, I agree. agree. You have traveled so much and I noticed travel is a topic you talk about and write about. What is the best place you've ever been to? Uh, um, It's very hard to narrow it down because some have been like my favorites for different reasons. So like when I went to Japan, that was the first few days of that was so challenging for me. And I'd never really experienced a culture shock like that before. Obviously not catered to Westerners in that like, oh, you're not going to be babied through this and that we're going to write signs in English for you as they shouldn't. And I remember at one point I got lost in the subway and I broke down crying. And then after the rest of that trip, I just had such an amazing time. And so that really pushed me outside of my comfort zone in a way that I hadn't been challenged in solo travel for a very long time. But I loved it. Like to begin with, I was like, what am I doing? I haven't met anyone. I feel so alone. And then for the rest of the trip, I'm like, this is awesome. Like I can go anywhere and do anything and meet anyone. South Korea, then having had that experience in Japan meant like, oh, I feel like on my game now. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. And also I was so comfortable getting lost. I was like, okay, like I've led us an hour in the wrong direction and this hasn't ruined my day, but I'm actually very cool with this because we got to see so many things on the way. And then lastly, I will say Hawaii is just such a like magical and special place. I went there for the first time at the beginning of 2019 for New Year. And I had... (laughs) A really interesting experience. Um, It was, yeah, it was an interesting experience. I was like, I really want to come (laughs) back here one day and like redo this. And I ended up manifesting a free trip to Hawaii a couple of months later. And I met one of my now best friends there and uh, turned out she also lived in Melbourne. And then we just became friends. And that was really great. But also all those trips sound amazing. 
Who is your favorite on-screen couple? So from a TV show or a movie? Oh, that's such a good question. Who is my favorite on-screen couple? Well, you know, at the moment, I'm kind of vibing with, do you guys watch Love Island? I haven't no. watched it. Oh, so there's this couple like um, Molly May and Tommy. And I think they're like, they're really cute. Everyone was like on the show, like, oh, they're just faking it to get the money. They're just faking it to get the money. And then afterwards watching everyone realize, wait, they were the only real couple in there. And it's just really interesting to see how their relationship has developed. And people don't know this about me, but I'm a hopeless romantic. So I'm just like, I love, I love. <laughs> I love that. I love I'm sure that. most people listening have watched it because I feel like everybody except for us watches it. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a lot of content, but maybe one day I can do it. Yeah. Like I didn't watch the whole series, but I saw some like clips of it, but she is actually mm. like a really good vlogger. So I love watching her vlogs on YouTube. Oh, oh, nice. Cool. I'll have to look her up. What are three things you cannot live without? Okay, well, obviously phone, number one. Yeah, <laughs> outside of the necessities. Would a journal and pen, does that count as like one collaborative piece? You know, the yes. pen and the journal. Okay, so a you journal pen. and pen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and like lip balm, lip gloss. Like I'm obsessed. Mm. I feel like crispy lips affects my mood. <laughs> Oh my god! It totally yes. does, especially like when you wake up in the morning. Like if you don't put it on before bed. So we always like to end with a little bit of advice. Specifically, what advice would you give to your younger self? Don't like take life so seriously. Have more fun, and things are always working out. I love that. I need that advice today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. This was, I could talk to you forever. This was such a digestible and approachable approach to manifestation. And I think our listeners will love it because we did. So thanks so much for joining us. Can you tell everyone listening where they can find you? Yes. So on Instagram and TikTok, I'm Afia Salter underscore. My podcast is the Manifest Edit Podcast. And I have a free training on the power of subconscious manifestation, which I believe you can check out by heading to the show notes or afiaselta.com forward slash freebie. Yes. And we'll link all of that in the show notes. And I agree with everything that Mia said. This was probably one of the most tangible conversations we've had about manifestation in terms of the step-by-step guide. So we really appreciate it. And we had so much fun talking with you. Oh, thank you. 